ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Elephant in the Room. My name is Joey Rodriguez, and I'm here with SA presidential candidate Brandon Hill. So give us a little rundown about you, where are you from, what are you studying, and how did you get involved with the SA? Hey, Joey, thanks to be here. I really appreciate everybody having me on. Um, as said, my name is Brandon Hill. I'm a current third-year student majoring in political communication and human services and social justice. I'm from the great state of Maryland. Um, I got my start awesome. in the Student Association um, during my freshman year. I served as a member of the Student Engagement Committee, which is um, the essay's mentorship program, where I worked alongside the director of Mount Vernon Affairs. Um, that's the whole reason I got involved, because I love the Vern and want to spread the love of the Vern. You're a Vernie. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always looking to um, emphasize and support the Vern as much as I can. Um, the year after that, my sophomore year, I ran a successful election to be um, an undergraduate senator for the Columbian College of Arts and Sciences. Um, in that role, I also served as a member of the Finance Committee, the Vice Chair of the Governance and Nominations Committee, and the Chair of the Inaugural Black Senators Caucus, which led to our current caucus system within the Student Association. Um, after that, my junior year, I ran a successful campaign for Executive Vice President. And then after the resignation of my predecessor, um, I ascended to the presidency where I am now. Uh, and it, it's very unique, um, most of those <laughs> situations. It's not a typical um, rise to power as, as many people may see it, but um, I'm thankful to be in this role um, and happy to have met so many students and accomplished so much along the way. Yeah, awesome. So um, I just want to give you a compliment on the two videos that you put out. The production quality was pretty great. <laughs> Thank you. You had the Corey in the House video. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you had um, your running mate, Miss Carpenter, in it as well. You guys were you guys looked pretty good. Um, really in there, you focused on experience, vision, and, vision and leadership, and your platform is focusing on stability, impact, and reform. So why don't you tell us what that means to you and what you want to get accomplished if elected? No, absolutely. Um, and so talking about experience, vision, and leadership, I think the essay burnout rate is usually around two years. Yeah. People will get in their sophomore year and junior year and then not be involved freshman or senior year. Um, so it's very rare for someone like me to be involved all four years right. of, of their time at GW. Um, so we're basically running on one of the most experienced campaigns that the essay has ever seen in recent history. Uh, including a track record of getting things done. Um, even in my freshman year, as a member of the Student Engagement Committee, we led a successful audit of locker spaces on campus, which <laughs> led to, <laughs> which is it's a little up in the air, but that was for like Vern students uh, and led to the creation of a commuter student lounge on campus, awesome. which, where that research led to. Um, in my sophomore year as a senator, I think my biggest achievement was creating, was um, amending the bylaws to encourage more funding of ASL interpreters and CART um, interpreters for accessibility, uh, accessible events. Um, right, na um, right now, I think my biggest accomplishment um, has been um, the pass, no pass, um, getting that off the ground when the university originally told the students that they weren't going to get that in August, right. they got them to push back on that and give us one class, uh, uh, some may consider it defeat. I think starting from no and then moving it to one is a pretty big deal. <laughs> I'm thankful, I'm thankful. 
Me too. Me I'm a second semester senior, so I'm not <laughs> trying as hard as I was before. Right. I'm definitely using the one class as my stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, that's did? awesome. Um, so on your website and throughout the videos, um, you also did an interview with GW Hatchet. Um, I saw that you highlighted uh, focusing on um, protections and uh, reforms for ADA at GW, financial aid reform, textbook affordability, expanding women's health and mental health resources. Of those, what are you most likely looking to focus on? What, what, do you, what is the most important thing that you wanna get accomplished right away if you're elected? Um, I think of those, the most um, important would be the intersection um, of coronavirus, the pandemic, right. as a result of all, all of those. Um, and when we talk about ADA accessibility, um, the university has the, uh, the opportunity to make so many changes to buildings with right. students not being on campus, and they haven't really seized that moment. Um, there's, the university is really excited about the opportunity to reimagine mental health and physical health services. I've been in a number of conversations about expanding telehealth accessibility outside of the pandemic so students can just call the Colonial Health Center and get some type of diagnosis over the phone. Right. So you don't have to wait eight hours just to find out you have a cold. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. But hopefully <laughs> not, but I have had friends who it's like, you can't like you make an appointment, you're waiting there for so long, they see you for just a little bit and you leave without any help. Exactly, exactly. So being able to also address their appointment making system to increase the anonymity of that and also streamline the process. Um, and so I, I, I base this on the greater goal of just post-COVID stability right. and the sense right. that there's only been one SA president um, ever to be reelected to a second term. Um, and I think that's super crucial and an important way, uh, opportunity that students should take advantage of um, because I know that the student, it was very detrimental to the student body for us to undergo a transition process Right. Um, last year as executive vice president, there are still administrators that I've never had contact with. Um, <laughs> and that's the problem. There's still student organizations that I'm just now making connections with right. um, because the transition process was so off. Um, and so just general COVID stability and planning um, regarding mental health services, regarding accessibility and affordability, um, the way that we are still expected to buy $800 textbooks, uh, $100 worth of textbooks, when there are so many online educational resources and being able to encourage professors to use those. Um, I think that is the main goal, um, getting out of this pandemic and creating that new normal everybody's talking about. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I wanted to ask you, you know, besides the pass no pass um, policy that you were able to help get passed, um, what is another thing that you were able to accomplish throughout the, your time in the essay um, that was like, you know, you're very proud of? Um, I think this is, this is a very like minute finicky thing um, that most people don't know about, but um, before with the university, if you were to withdraw from a course um, in the middle of the semester, you wouldn't receive a hundred percent of your money back if you were a part-time student. Wow. Um, so you would get 80% um, back um, after two weeks. After that, you after another week, you'd receive 60% back. Um, and then so we took a really good look at that refund policy 
And it was a three hour conversation comparing it to like airplane cancellation fees and like, <laughs> and it, it was awful actually. I think that's um, probably uh, pretty important too for our graduate student population mm-hmm. because I can imagine that, you know, undergraduate kids, you know, they're probably withdrawing with courses in person a little bit quicker. Whereas like you might have graduate students that might be taking the classes online um, that have also part-time jobs, like they're probably adults that might need help doing that. So that, that's actually really good. That's awesome. Exactly. And it, it's one of those weird situations where GW wasn't the best at it, but they weren't the worst. They were in the middle of the road. Right. And so now we're one of the leaders in that and compared to our parent institutions. Now you can withdraw from a course for the first three weeks for free. It might be two weeks, like the first two weeks for free. Yeah. Um, and so that gives students the time to shop around or not stay in a class that they're going to fail because they'd rather not pay, lose money. Because yeah. of it. I remember being a, a freshman and it also happened sophomore year where I was in Thurston and just didn't know that, you know, having needing good Wi-Fi uh, was essential to register for classes. And then, yep. you know, you put your CRNs in there and you don't get any of the classes you wanted. So you have to sign up for these other random classes. Exactly. So, when I was a Vernie, I would leave the Vern and come to Foggy and register on Foggy just because we couldn't trust the Vern Wi-Fi. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't trust it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what is something that you weren't able to accomplish or maybe failed at that you want to focus on uh, trying again, maybe, um, if you're elected? Hmm. Um, I think that um, there's a lot of diversity and inclusion initiatives um, that are easily like pushed away because of like capacity issues and things like right. that. Um, I'm hoping next year will be the year that we finally get a diversity and inclusion general education requirement for all schools and universities. Um, this is a push that we've been told not now on. Um, and because it's a very expensive idea, thinking about creating a new re- requirement means that you also have to offer new classes and you have to also, right. that means also hiring new professors and training these professors and maybe even altering um, the coursework to fit the requirement. And so we're really doing, uh, we're releasing some surveys on that now. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to submit an official proposal to the faculty senate by next year um, while we're outside of the pandemic budget. So we're able to look more highly upon it. I think that's really interesting. Um, I'm, I'm in CCAS, so I know also just the GPAC requirements in general. There are many, however, there are so many GPAC requirements that I think for some majors, they, they just aren't helping that much. Whereas like, let's say I'm a poly, I'm a poli sci major, which I am. For the two sciences with a lab that I need to do, mm-hmm. I would much rather drop one of the sciences with a lab and take, uh, you know, a course on diversity inclusion, whether or not that's like African-American history or things like that, which I was able to take that I thoroughly enjoyed and learned a lot from, but also it is a part of like, like my major political science, whereas, you know, chemistry for non-science majors, I'm not learning anything that's super important. So that, I think that's a great idea. I, I didn't hear anything about that before. So that's awesome. Um, so another question is, right now, the vaccines are rolling out. Um, looks like we are seeing some declines in the rates of coronavirus and oh, increasing um, rates of vaccination. So 
that's really good. Are you hopeful for an in-person school in the fall, like all in-person or, you know, hybrid? What, what is, what are you thinking is the most likely thing? And then what would you want to happen? I am, I'm very hopeful for an in-person fall, truly. Um, I think that the vaccine rollout is looking better than I even expected it. Um, and that I'm already eligible to get my vaccine um, and have plans to do that later in the month, um, which is super awesome. I, I do have, I've heard concerns about students, um, from students about um, how they just won't feel comfortable right. um, coming on campus. So I think that those students should have a way, an outlet to be able to partake in some type of hybrid model if they choose so. Um, but I also hear from a majority of the students, I'd even say a super majority of students, how detrimental online learning has been for them. Right. Um, and so when you couple that with the fact that so many faculty are saying that they don't want to teach hybrid courses, that they want to have an all online course, an all in-person course, um, there's definitely a lot of like multifacetedness of it. Um, but I think right. that that also allows for that those students who don't feel comfortable coming to campus to have their answer. Like okay. the fact that faculty are, don't want to do a hybrid and do want to do an online course allows for students who don't feel comfortable to come to campus to have some way means, some outlet to be online and safe in their homes. Um, I agree, yeah. So I think those, those are conversations that we're having right now. Um, I'm hopeful about it. Um, and I think the university is hopeful about it as well. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think the testing protocol, um, I've been through it is looking super amazing. And I've, we've gotten lots of great feedback from on-campus students about it. And even yeah. with the increase recently, on-campus students, uh, there's been very little delays or problems. Um, so I will say testing is very quick. I'll go, you know, I've got, I think maybe four tests. I go there, you know, midday, and then I get it, my test results back the next day, midday. It's like 24 hour roll around, it's very quick. Exactly, like maximum 20. Sometimes I get it the same day. Yeah, if I go early, if you go early in the morning, like 8 a.m., mm -hmm. it's there at like 3 p.m. Exactly. Yeah, so that, that's really awesome. I think GW's done a good job on the testing front. Um, and hopefully um, with whoever is the leader uh, is able to work with the administration and make sure that students are able to find the, the good balance of whether or not they'll be safe on campus and making the decision to, to come back, stay at home, managing that with, you know, whether or not professors are staying at GW, whether or not they're comfortable teaching mm -hmm. online for another year, you know, stuff like that. So um, yeah. it is definitely rough. So as a senior, I will most likely not be having an in-person graduation. At least that's what it's looking like right now. GW did release a questionnaire asking if students would like to have some small gatherings um, in person on campus. Uh, whether or not we'd like to have a delayed graduation, um, whether or not we'd be likely to go to that if we if they did. So what are you thinking? Would you be in favor of a delayed walking in December for people graduating in spring? Um, and if not, do you have any ideas about what the administration is doing? I know that's super broad, but like, what do you think? I'd be in support of a delayed walking, if not in if not in December, like I, I think may even be in enough state of shape for August prior for the school year to start. Um, but I think we need to do more than that. I think that there are so many first gen students who deserve to be celebrated right now. And I think the university is saving 
truly a lot of money by not having a big, large commencement right. ceremony on the mall. So I don't know if that means paying for everybody's cap and gown and mailing that to everybody as like a gift. I don't know if that means another free sweater that we give freshmen <laughs> or paying someone to do a really amazing video congratulating everybody. Right, but I right. think something needs to happen in the spring as well um, in order so students feel celebrated because not everybody may be able to come back to that commencement in the spring. Right. People may be onto their lives or touring Europe like so many people talk about doing post-graduation. Yeah, completely, completely agree. Anything, any way that GW can help is is awesome. So let's let's go with a little bit more lighthearted questions and, and we'll round it out there. So what is your favorite movie of all time? You can give me a couple too, because so, it's very tough for me. So go ahead. <laughs> My favorite movie, so this is super embarrassing, but <laughs> I don't have the attention span to watch movies with like real people. Okay. Or like if the soundtrack isn't good. So I'm really into like cartoons. <laughs> okay. So my favorite movie and I'm my favorite movie series is the How to Train Your Dragon. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I I loved How to Train Your Dragon. How right. to Train Your Dragon 2 when they're finding the mom. Or, exactly. Yeah, that was really good. I've seen all of them in theaters. Um, they're my favorite things to watch when I have free time. Um, and the soundtrack is good. The storyline is great. Um, they're easy and digestible because they're meant for kids. Yeah, um, but <laughs> that would be my favorite. Awesome. Yeah, I, that's a great movie. Those are great movies. Um, favorite TV show you started in quarantine? What have you been watching on Netflix? So I, I'm hopping on the bandwagon with this one a little bit. Okay. Um, because we all know that Avatar The Last Airbender was recently <laughs> added to Netflix. Yeah. Um, and along with Avatar The Legend of Korra, uh, and so that would be the favorite thing that I got to watch firsthand because I never really watched mm -hmm. uh, The Legend of Korra while it was on TV. Um, super great. Highly recommended. I could talk for hours about it. But <laughs> Yeah, I love I love the great TV. It's a kid's show, but there's so mm -hmm. many adult conversations that happen that, you know, sure. you could I'm watch. I watched it when I was young and watch it now. It's so great. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the inside great. jokes. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so let's go with favorite musical artist of all time. And you can be a couple of these too. This is a very difficult one. Um, yeah. really. um, what immediately comes to my head would be like Nicki Minaj or Taylor Swift. Okay. Uh, but the way that they're both like completely on opposite sides of the spectrum. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Those would be the immediately immediate too, just so like something to dance to and then something okay. to like do like a late, late night drive to as well. Okay, awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what what is your favorite Taylor Swift album? You, you liked her more country or now super pop? What do you what do you what is more Taylor vibe? Um, a little bit in between. Like um, okay. I'm really into um, 1989. That's my favorite album. Okay. Um, I, 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 that's actually the first album I've ever like bought. Um, wow. Because like it's so weird to like buy albums nowadays, but I was like, I just need all of it so far. <laughs> yep. Now we don't buy albums. It's crazy. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just watching all these TikToks on Gen Z of how like there will be kids taking pictures nowadays that you know, you ask a kid, how do you take a picture? And it's like this, whereas look back in the day, your parents will do this. No. Uh... Yeah, it's crazy. Because <laughs> I do this. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's get some closing remarks from you um on what you'd like the future to hold for you as the SA president, um, you know, and how 
you're looking forward to moving on into the new year? Like what's going on? Um, well, I think that the biggest takeaway from this year is that the student association um, and even to an extent the student body as a whole needs a major culture shift. Um, I think the student association is supposed to be built upon the foundations of servant leadership and that our job is to work for the students. Um, and I think that it's been clear that many members of the student association have not been doing that, um, or at least not been doing that to their fullest extent. And I think that's why so many people are calling for abolition, are saying we don't do anything, um, because to some extent we don't, and they're right. We're not representing them the way that they need to be represented, um, and we're not. Um, we're taking ourselves way too seriously and putting ourselves in some elitist box that's better than everybody. Um, and we need to change that culture. And I think that that's something I've been working on as president. And it's something that I'm looking forward to continuing to do. Awesome. I really appreciate your time, Brandon. I had a great time talking with you. Happy to be here. Thanks for coming on. This has been Elephant in the Room. Everyone have a nice day.